It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Amen. Acts chapter 1, we're studying the authority of the believer. You know, it's the will of God that the demonstration of the defeat of Satan come through God's children. I know that many times we pray and ask God to do something where in reality it's not God that needs to do something, it's we that need to do it. We just need to rise up in the authority that we have in Christ and, and run the devil off or, or run sickness off, run disease off. You know, if you've ever noticed in our confession that we make uh, uh, over our offering, you know, that's, a, that's an authoritative statement. Devil, get your hands off of my finances. Amen. You can't just do that one time on Sunday morning. I mean, there needs to be a continual stand of faith over your finances. You just tell the devil, devil, you're not going to take my finances in Jesus' name. I'm blessed. Let me know what I'm talking about. And so with other areas, the enemy comes and attacks your mind or your body or your whatever it is. You've got to make a decision. I'm not going to let the devil kick me around. I'm going to rise up in faith and I'm going to use my authority that I have in Christ. Now, here in, here in Acts chapter 1, there had been a, I don't know how to describe it, a prolific, dynamic. You could take every adjective in the English language and two or three out of the Spanish and four or five out of every other language, and you still wouldn't come up with enough adjectives. There was a dynamic change in the realm of the Spirit. You say, what happened? Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, de defeated Satan, defeated death, hell, and the grave, ascended to heaven, poured his blood on the mercy seat, came back down to earth for a few 40-something uh, days, and then he went back to heaven and said, I'm coming back the same way I left, in the clouds. Amen? Now, when he did that, one of the things he did, John chapter 20, if you'd like to read it, he appeared unto the disciples, and as he ministered and showed himself unto them, the Bible says openly, the Bible says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. Now, when he did that to the disciples, 11 of them were there. There was automatically, when he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, there were automatically 11 new creatures on the planet. Amen. 11 people that had not been in that configuration of humanity since the fall of Adam in the garden some 4,000 years before then. And when he said, breathe, when it said he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost, they were born again. Everybody say, born again. That's what the new birth is. It's the recreation of the human spirit that's on the inside. The human spirit that's in you because of your first birth is aligned with the curse that's upon the human family. No matter where you're born, no matter who you are. You say, well, I was born into a Christian family. It doesn't make any difference. You're still born under the curse of Adam's sin. But the good news is, is when you made Jesus your Lord and Savior, the greatest miracle you'll ever receive took place. You went from darkness into light. You went from death into life. You became a new creature in Christ. And God has endowed upon you an authority because of that. And that authority carries with it the authority of the Word of God, the power of the Holy Ghost, the ability of God working in your life, the angelic realm, all other kinds of good things we'll talk about. And it literally empowers the believer on earth not to cry out to God in every crisis of life, but to do something about it with the authority that God's put in you. 
Amen. Now, when you begin to understand that and you begin to realize that, your days of defeat are over. How many ready for days of defeat to be over with? Well, it's not up to God, it's up to you. Now, the greatest deficit in the body of Christ is a lack of knowledge. God says in his word on two different occasions, the lack of knowledge destroys you. My people perish because of a lack of knowledge. Now, thank God for inspiration. Inspiration is good, but what we need is information. And what we've been imparting unto you is this informational about resisting the devil. He'll flee from you. The nature of your adversary, he's a criminal. He comes but not for to kill, steal, and destroy. But now we're going to start getting into some things that have to do with what you have, who you are, and what you can do. You say, well, if I was a pastor, I'd do it. Doesn't make any difference you're a pastor. You don't have to be in the ministry. I'm telling you, one little anointed housewife can kick the devil all over town. One anointed high school student can bring revival to a high school. One anointed businessman can shake a whole city for Jesus Christ. Listen, you can't put it over on somebody and say, well, they can get it, but I can't. No, every one of you must understand God has invested authority in you so that you can rise up and demonstrate the defeat of Satan. Now, now look real quick. Acts chapter 1, let's, let's begin there in verse 4. Verse 4 of Acts chapter 1 and being assembled together with them. Now notice that. And being assembled. Everybody say assembled. Now we must understand that the main component of the church, uh, I don't want to make anybody mad or upset anybody's religious apple cart. I guess we're in Texas. Everybody's watermelon cart. Amen. But when it comes to authority, and the position of, the, of authority in the church, Jesus holds the supreme position in heaven and on earth. Not some hierarchy of some religion. Not some fellow with a funny hat. Now listen, it is Jesus Christ. And you just can't gather a bunch of people and label it some Christian label and think God's going to do something. Jesus must be assembled. Uh, we've said it like this for years, ever since we've become a church, uh, since way back in 2002. We've always exhorted people and told people, I'm not the true pastor of Island Church. I am the under-shepherd. I am the under-pastor. Jesus is your pastor. He is your good shepherd. He is your great shepherd. He is your chief shepherd. And you are in Christ. Peter's not the head of the church. Never was, never has been. Jesus is. And being assembled. You ever got something for Christmas or, or given a gift or been, had gone out and bought something that said assembly required? I've put together a couple of things at our house. Leah's shaking her head. I mean, it like to cost me my sanity. You know, you get it halfway done and then you didn't read the instructions correctly. And the assembly was flawed. And so you had to start all over and start again and start all over. Then the battery in your drill dies. Then you throw your battery and you throw the drill in the bay and you have to use a regular screwdriver. You know, I mean, it's just frustrating. But if you follow the instructions, everybody say instructions. All the men say the instructions. <laughs> Amen. Then everything gets assembled correctly. And when something is assembled correctly, it performs according to that which it was designed. Amen. Now notice, Jesus being assembled together with them. Now notice this next word, commanded them. Now that's a strong term. How many veterans we have, military 
people in here. Raise your hand. Now, if you've been in the military, you know the strength of the word command. A superior commands a subordinate. It's not a suggestion. All of our military men said. It's not. They don't get up in the morning and say, well, we suggest you get out of bed and make your bed up and get ready for the day. We suggest, we, 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 we kind of, no, they command you to do it and you better respond to that command. Now, Jesus in Acts chapter 1 is not speaking to people who are in the world. He is speaking to people that are in his kingdom. They've already been born again. And he retains, oh, Lord, I don't know if I ought to say this or not. He retains the right to command. I said, he retains the right to command you. And when Jesus gives a command, you better listen. I mean, I don't think there's anybody in my life I can command. I tried to command Leah one time. (laughs) Amen. And didn't see her for two weeks. And then after two weeks, I saw her a little bit out of this side. It started to open up just a little bit where I could see her. I mean, know what I mean? But Jesus commands us. Now notice what he commands. He said, I command. He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise. Everybody say the promise. Of the Father which say, if you've heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. So, oh, Pastor, I'm af- I was afraid when I came in here. I was coming into one of those Holy Ghost churches. You are. Amen. We're trying to get you. We're trying to get you empowered. Everybody say empowered. Now go run down for time's sake. Run down to verse eight. It says, "But you shall receive power." Everybody say power. Say it three times. Power, power, power. It says, "But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you." Now notice that again. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now here's where the dilemma and the debate has come over the years. According to Jesus in John chapter 14, there is a two-fold working of the Spirit of God that should be relevant in the life of every believer. Now, let me say that again. A two-fold working. Everybody say two-fold. Now, that's this. The Spirit that abides. Now, every person in here that has made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God abides on the inside of you. And I want you to know there's an empowerment with the new birth. I mean, some of you look at your life. You had a lifestyle on this side, and you got saved again. Now you got a lifestyle on this side. I mean, places you used to go, you don't go anymore. Things you used to watch, you don't watch anymore. Things you used to put in your body, you don't put in your body anymore. You say, why? Because there is that empowerment to the new birth. But that's for you. Everybody say, that's for me. But then there's an empowerment that comes upon you for service so that you can be a blessing to people. So when your neighbor runs over and says, I'm sick, can you do anything? The doctors can't do anything. You can say, I can do something in Jesus' name. When somebody comes to you and says, I'm in fear, can you pray? You can pray. You understand your authority, that power when it comes on you. Everybody say, on you. So that twofold working is number one, the spirit that abides. Then there's the spirit that empowers. It's the same spirit. It's the same Holy Ghost that should be working in the life of every believer. Now notice this. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be. Everybody say be. Now that's a little word, just two little letters. B-E. Everybody say B. Now notice what it does not say. You say, what do you mean? 
Well, it'll help you understand these things. Notice it does not say, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall do. So now what difference does that make, preacher? The problem is a lot of people get saved and they start trying to, quote, do Christianity. I got saved, Pastor. I'm just going to be a better person. No, no, you're not. Amen. The problem is an identity change. And most people don't understand that the new birth is an identity change, but the baptism of the Holy Ghost comes upon you to reinforce that identity change so you can begin to see who you be. A lot of people's problems with Christianity, they don't see who they be. They still think they're an old sinner saved by grace. I'm just a poor old sinner saved by grace. Why well, I sin every day. Why well, God, if I tell you, he's so disgusted with me. You shouldn't be like that. You're not a poor old sinner saved by grace. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, identity is a unique force in our lives. Every one of us have very strong cords of identity. Number one, we have men. Everybody say men. men. And we have women. That's an identity cord. You say, what do you mean? Well, I hope some of the men didn't get up this morning and go look in the mirror and start saying, well, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Amen. I mean, I, I feel sorry for people. Who, well, I'm a man trapped in a woman's body. I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. That's a lying demon. Let me try that again. That's a lying demon. And now our society is doing everything it can do to feed that demonic force and try to cause people to be confused in their identity. Remember what we said several months ago about identity? Physical identity? It only takes a peek. Ain't hard to figure out. Amen? Secondly, there's, 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 there's racial identity. We have those here that are of the, of the white race. Caucasian, I think you, you call us. We have those that are of the, of the Hispanic race, amen? Uh, uh, Mexican, Guatemalan, uh, uh, El Salvadorian, uh, uh, Colombian, amen? We have those of the uh, African-American race. Uh, you, you could probably trace your DNA back to a nation in, in Africa, to, to Zambia or South Africa or, 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 or Nigeria or one of those nations. You have, you have racial identity. But stronger than any identity that you have in your life, the strongest cord of identity is not racial, it's not gender, it's not geographical. <laughs> we had Pastor John Avellino with us this week, and he, they spent the week with us, and we had uh, uh, some time to fellowship. And he asked a funny question. He said, how come whenever you ask someone from Texas where they're from, they never say America? <laughs> Everybody knows the answer, right? Where are you from? I'm from Texas, you know. <laughs> You that aren't from Texas, you might not get that. But those that are said, Amen. identity. Now, I've used this illustration before in teaching on redemption. If you were to challenge my identity, I mean, with the threat of death, I'm going to challenge your identity. So you pull out a big gun and you aim it at me and you say, deny you're a man. You know what I'm going to say? You know, you say it like this, deny you're a man. I'm going to kill you. I'll blow you away if you don't deny you're a man. I'm going to say, where's my purse? I'm not going to die over that. <laughs> Amen. You say, deny you're white or Caucasian. I'm going to say, glory adios. Is that how you say it? <laughs> or pass the hot sauce or whatever. Or, or what's happening? I don't know. I'm not going to die over that. <laughs> deny you're a Texan. Deny you're American. I'm going to say, welcome to Ireland or wherever you want to be, you know. 
But if you were to say to me, deny that you're born again, deny that you're blood washed, deny that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, I say, go ahead and pull the trigger for to be absent from the body is to be, is to be present with the Lord. And Paul said, it's not better, it's far better. So the Spirit of God comes upon you to empower you. Now, notice this, that you may be what? Witnesses. Now, witnesses are evidence producers. The problem is we've tried to convince people with our words, but they see our lives and they're unconvinced. Let me try that again. We try to convince people with our words, but with our lives, they remain unconvinced. Your life needs to preach the gospel. I said, your life needs to preach the gospel. Before you ever give someone words, give them your life. You need to be an evidence. You know, if somebody came uh, to your house, the law enforcement came, knocked on your door this afternoon, put you in handcuffs, carried you away. Finally, you said, why am I being arrested? Well, we believe you robbed a bank in El Paso yesterday at 1045 in the morning. But you weren't in El Paso yesterday. You were over to Outreach. Amen. Well, I, would, I really wouldn't sweat that charge because they would not have any evidence. There would be nothing to convict you. Now, let me ask you a question. If you were arrested for your faith, could you be convicted? Could they bring enough evidence into court? Could they look at your life? Could they look at the literature around your house? Could they look on your computer? Could they look on your cell phone? Could they look at your dish bill? You know, the dish satellite, could they look on your, or would it look just like the world? Ooh, how about this one? Could they look at your checkbook? God wants us to be what? Evidence producers or witnesses. Now, with that in mind, witnesses unto me, notice unto me, both in Jerusalem, here in Galveston, in all of Galveston County, Judea, in Texas, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, real quick, I just got a couple of minutes. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, notice Pentecost. Now, listen, that, that's a Jewish feast day is what that is. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly, everybody say suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Now, notice first of all, suddenly, there came the sound, everybody say the sound, of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then the next, the next verse says, and there appeared unto them. Now notice, sound and appeared. Everybody say sound and appeared. Say it again. Say it again. Sound and appeared. Now this is amazing. I said this is amazing. In our covenant that we have with God through Jesus, God has burst in to the sense realm. Now, God lives in the unseen realm, in the spirit realm, which is more real than the realm we live in. Now, the new birth all happens. Many times, there's no physical evidence of the new birth. Now, don't get me wrong. I've seen some people have some glorious salvation experiences. i tell you the top, the, what tops the list. Some of you may have experienced this. If you've not, get saved. People that have come down, sin in their life, know they're not right with God, get right with God, and you can see, you can just see a weight lift off of them. Almost a tangible thing. You can just see, how many had that happen to you when you got saved? Just a, the weight of sin and the, the weight of oppression just lifted off of you. Well, besides that, many times there's really no other physical 
manifestation of the new birth other than a knowing. I just know I'm saved. How do you know you're saved? Well, I believed in my heart, confessed with my mouth. God raised Jesus from the dead, did what the book said, did what the Bible said, and, and somehow, some way, God visited me, and I know. But now, to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now, remember what we said. There's a twofold working. There's the spirit that abides. Everybody say abides. And there's the spirit that empowers. Everybody say empowers. Now, when this empowerment comes, it begins with what? A sound. Now, a sound is something that you hear. Hearing is a sense. And then it says, there appeared unto them cloven tongues of a, as a fire. That's sight. So now we've got God coming into a realm in which literally you can see or hear God. Now, now people are always saying, prove there's a God. What was that movie we were watching last night? It was the, uh, the, the movie about the trials that took place in Tennessee. There was a teacher that taught on evolution. And, you know, they depicted the Christians as a bunch of nuts and a bunch of crazy people. And, and, then, and then the guy that, uh, 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 you know, the guy that was the, the star of the show, you know, he was the only, only one with a square head. And, and he was the only one that had his feet on the ground. And he was the one that was challenging the validity of the Word of God. Well, and one of the things, one of the questions that he posed, prove there's God. Prove there's God. Well, you can prove there's God. He said, how can you prove there's God? Oh, Anybody hear that? Anybody see that? Anybody see that? Everybody saw it. Everybody heard it. What was that? That was God. Amen. Now listen to me before we get any further. This doctrine of the baptism in the Holy Ghost is the most fought and challenged gospel, I mean, uh, doctrine of all Christianity. Satan does not want you to know anything about empowerment. He does not want you to know anything about the baptism in the Holy Ghost. He does not want you to know anything about the power of God coming upon you. He wants you to make, that, make you think that's a bunch of people living up in the north woods of Arkansas somewhere that are handling rattlesnakes and drinking strychnine. But you're going to find a problem. You say, what is that? The most powerful anointed ministries that have ever touched this earth are tongue-talking, spirit-filled, Holy Ghost ministries. Some of you, I'm going to really harm some of you this morning. You say, why is that? Joel Osteen is a tongue-talking Christian. That's why I went to Bible school. I'm no dummy. Amen. Oral Roberts was a tongue-talking Christian. Come on, church. Oh, I'm going to throw one at you you're not going to like. Billy Graham is a tongue-talking Christian. I don't believe it. Yes, he is. I have sat and talked with Oral Roberts, and Oral Roberts said, I prayed with Billy Graham and heard him pray in other tongues. You say, what, what point are you trying to make? Think about Christian TV. Where do you think Christian TV came from? People that got filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke with other tongues, and God said, I'm going to give you a television station going to surround the world where all during 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, the, the gospel is going to inundate the earth. Where do you think that come from? That didn't come from man. That comes from God. 
That comes from an empowerment. When the Holy Ghost comes upon a believer, that believer goes from a natural Christian to a supernatural Christian. When the Holy Ghost comes upon a believer, it opens your mind, it opens your insight, it empowers you. You start getting revelation from the Word of God. You begin to rise up in your authority. You make decisions according to the Word of God. And no longer does your flesh or your mind have its power over you. You begin to have power over it by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now notice, I've, I've got to close because I've got to go to the airport. Now notice this. And it filled the house where they were sitting. That is the number one thing the adversary has tried to do to the church is get the presence of God out of the house. He does not want that tangible anointing of the Spirit. In the, we've, we've had it here so tangible that it felt like you could take a jar and just scoop it up, put a lid on it and walk out with it. Amen. You say, well, why isn't it like that all the time? Because all these things operate according to God. And listen, the phrase, well, God is sovereign, it's not the answer to people's ignorance. People always, well, God is sovereign. Say, so, well, God wants to heal you. Well, God is sovereign. Listen, God is sovereign, but we have a copy of his sovereignty. And he commands everyone that he owns. Because if you're born again, you're no longer owned by the devil, you're owned by God. And you're not your own, you're bought with a price. And Jesus said, it's expedient that I go away. I've got to go. So the comforter can come. And when he comes and he begins to describe all this multifaceted ministry of the Holy Ghost. He is your comforter. He is your strengthener. He is your helper. He is your guide. He is your intercessor. He is your standby. He shows you things to come. There are gifts of the Spirit. There are fruits of the Spirit. There's all these multifaceted manifestations of the glory and the goodness of God. And God wants every believer walking in it. Amen. Now, next week, we're going to talk about this. And if you've never received this, you need it. Let me try that again. You need it. Now, listen, just like the new birth, it does not need to just be an experience at the altar. It needs to become your lifestyle. More than anything else, the Word of God, number one, the Spirit of God, number two. You say, why? Because the Word, the, the, the Spirit works in line with the Word of God. But there are some days I might pray two to three to four hours in the Holy Ghost. There are some days that I just I spend most of the day just worshiping God, praying in the Spirit, glorifying. You say, well, how can those things happen? You're a preacher. You have time to do it. It doesn't matter. You can do it on your job. You can pray in the Spirit on the way to work. You can pray on the Spirit. On, and the thing about it is, is every time you open your mouth and begin to involve the Holy Ghost in your life, He comes in invited. He comes in and begins to bless. He begins to come in and give you answers. He'll bring peace to your home. He'll bring healing to your body. He'll manifest Himself in such ways that it'll amaze you. And at the end of the day, you'll be so thankful. You know, let me close with this. At the end of the 60s, into the 70s, and then the 80s, and, and the ripple effect actually went into the 90s. There was a great move of God called, called the charismatic renewal or the charismatic revival. Now, more than people getting born again, it was a revival of people, people getting filled with the Holy Ghost. My mom and dad were a part of it. Our family was a part of it. We saw it, witnessed it. I know my, my, my mom and dad were telling me a story one time when they were in a full gospel businessman meeting with Morris Sorello. I don't know if any of y'all know him. He's an older minister now. And they prayed. There, there was hundreds of people that came down to the altar. And back then, there were these parachurch ministries, women's aglow, full gospel businessmen, all these. And they would go out and, and denominational people. They were coming out of every denomination by the thousands. Lee and I went to, went to a conference in New Orleans. Remember that? We were in the, the, the Superdome. The Superdome was filled. What would that be? 
30, 40,000, and every person there was Catholic. But they wasn't any Catholic you ever seen. You say, what do you mean by that? They were full of the Holy Ghost. They were running. They were jumping. Those nuns with their, what do they call, habits on. They were out there dancing in the Holy Ghost, shouting, praising God. There were messages in tongues. Priests were up prophesying. It was powerful. It was a wave of God that came through. But the problem is, for most people, it was only an experience that took place in a meeting at one time. But God wants us to continue in that. Because it's once you receive that endowment of power. Listen, you've got your badge when you begin to get revelation of your authority in Christ. But getting baptized in the Holy Ghost is God putting that gun in your holster. There's your power. There's your weapon that cannot be destroyed. And that's what God wants. All of his people is empowered by his spirit. So when you say in the name of Jesus, you know the devil runs from you and start tearing. You lay your hands on your child when it's fevered. You say in the name of Jesus, you feel that fever break right under your hand. You say in the name of Jesus, get out of my mind and that fear just goes. You say in the name of Jesus, quit oppressing me and it just lifts off of you. And here's another thing. When that, when that old lifestyle tries to come back, no, you be. You don't be that no more. You be this. You rise up and say, no, no drugs, no alcohol, no, no perverse lifestyle. You're not coming back. I'm not that person anymore. I got the Holy Ghost. And I be. Everybody say, I be. Because that's what the Spirit of God is designed to do. Amen. Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you this morning. Lord, we glorify your name. You're worthy to be exalted, worthy to be praised, worthy to be magnified and glorified in this house. Hallelujah. Ever head bowed, ever eye closed, real quick, real quick. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you saved? Are you born again? Have you made Jesus your Lord and Savior? You say, how do I do that, preacher? You believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that God has raised Jesus from the dead. When you do that, that first working of the Spirit of God begins to move. God moves into your spirit and you're recreated. You're no longer the person you used to be. You're brand new. The Bible calls you in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things are new. You say, Pastor, I've been saved. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. But I've gotten into some things in life that are not good. I've gone back to some of the old lifestyles. I've gone back to some of my old weaknesses. I've broken fellowship with God. I need to be restored. So today, if you're here and you say, that's me, Pastor. I need to get saved or I need to be restored. Please pray with me. I'll do that if you'll raise your hand. Anybody like that? Raise your hand up high. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Do I see a hand back there? Raise it up high if you've got your hand up. I see one hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? There's another hand. God bless you. There's another hand. Anyone else? Real quick. Real quick. Anyone else? Two people have raised their hand. Everybody look this way. Now, you that raised your hand, you two that raised your hand, I want you to come up real quick and pray with me. Give them a big hand clap as they come. Come on, real quick. Don't be ashamed. Give them a big hand clap. Come on. Come on, sweetie. Come on, don't patty cake. Give them a big hand clap. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, we're going to pray together out loud so our own ears can hear it. Amen. And, and I, I trust both of you have been saved, giving your heart to the Lord. You just need to get right with God. So pray out loud. Heavenly Father, right now, 
I am your child, your very own child. I have broken fellowship, but I thank you, Lord. You never broke relationship. Because of that relationship, I return to you today. I ask forgiveness for everything that has separated me from you. Thank you for your blood. Today, I receive its ability and its power to cleanse me from all sin and all unrighteousness. Heavenly Father, you know where I'm weak. You know my problems. So today, I ask you, help me to be strong. I want to live for you with all my heart. I desire to live for you. Thank you, Father. As I stand in the altar of Island Church, August the 6th, 2017, I am right with God. Jesus is my Lord. Heaven is my home. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn around. Somebody going to give you a big hug. Come on, give them a big hand clap, church. Praise God, praise God. Real quick, three simple things. Number one, that book. You got to get into the Word. Read that book every day. Number two, talk to God. Spiritual term, prayer. Number three, your family. Your family's not a black family. Your family's not a white family. Your family is a blood-washed family. Every Christian needs a church. Come to Island Church. Let us teach you the Word of God. Serve God with us. It's thrilling. We have a great time around here. You'll be blessed. Amen. God bless you. We love you. They got some free books. Wave at us, Doc. They got some free books they'll give you. Give them one more big hand clap. Come on, shout with them, church. Praise God. Don't forget church on Wednesday night, prayer at 6.30. Don't forget our Saturday night prayer meeting at 6 o'clock. It's a great time of fellowship and prayer. It's always a blessing to be here. Hallelujah. Father, we bless your name today. Thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your kindness. Lord, as always, we declare our protection and our safety over our lives. Lord, as we leave today, we thank you. No evil befalls us. No plague comes to our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Therefore, as we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, we declare our protection and our safety. Father, as we leave today also, we declare your protection over our righteous labor this week. Anywhere we find employment, our own business, working for someone else, we declare no, no trauma, no terror, no accidents, no evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We declare we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Heavenly Father, we thank you also for that great door of utterance. Let us be a blessing to people, a problem to the devil, an answer to somebody's prayer in Jesus' name. We leave today walking in faith and love towards you, in love toward one another. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be, thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood empowered by the Word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. We'll see you during the week. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113 We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.